This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Oh, so much to do. Good thing we got two hours to be with you. And of course, March Movie Mayhem. Next. At 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM along with Will the Thrill and Brian the Brain. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Gordon, hi. Larry, how we doing, my man? I am doing great except for a little nervous weekend. Really? Why? Gordon... Gordon, Gordon, did you not watch North Carolina in the NCAA? But, I, I, you know, I brought this up on Saturday. Larry. Oh, Gordon. I, I don't know how long you've been a fan of North Carolina. I'm assuming, you know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Been this a while. is as great a run as they have been on in a very – I mean, you, if they Just go the championship on, year. Right. I mean, if they go on and win a championship, you could make the argument that this might be one of the greatest seasons they've ever had. You knock off Coach K in his final home game at Cameron. <laughs> you go and you you blow. I don't even remember who they were playing in the opening round. And then the second round, what do you do? Oh, you take out the number one seed who, oh, yeah, just so happened to be the defending national champs in Baylor. Yes. I mean, this is a pretty – it could always end the next game. I understand that. But mm-hmm. and, and over the last three weeks, this is a three-week three span you dream about. You are correct. But the nervousness came when they did a great impersonation of the oh. New York Knicks. <laughs> I mean, there was a there was a bit of a meltdown. I'm not going to tell you there weren't some anxious moments. When Brandy Manick, who had 26 points, Gordon, he was on fire. He was hitting everything. He yeah. was unbelievable. And then they couldn't get the ball in bounds. Gordon, they dropped a 25-point. I'm telling you, I'm looking at the Knicks. They dropped a 25-point lead. Nobody could dribble the basketball. The front line was in foul trouble. Nobody could hit free throws. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, you went from feeling really good and defeating the first, you know, the top seed, as you mentioned, and then all of a sudden you're looking and you're like, and you're in overtime, and normally the team, you're torn. Because Mm -hmm. the team that rallies to take you to overtime, they have all the momentum. But on the other side, you're saying, but look at what they had to do to get that turn. Will they, you know, lose a little momentum, lose a little get a little fatigue? And I think that's what happened to them. And, you know, North Carolina was able to, to uh, you know, hang in there. Yeah, uh, there was definitely a bit of a meltdown there. Oh. There's no question about that. And I can understand why there would have been some anxious moments because you're right. I mean, I think probably Baylor is the more talented team. Uh, and you figure that that team is able to, to, to get you to overtime after being down, what were they, t- down 23, 25, whatever 25. it was. Yeah. I mean, they, that team gets you to overtime. More times than not, you blow a 25-point lead, you get to overtime, you're completely out of gas. But it worked out. It worked yep. out in the end. So uh, you survive in advance is the old motto, and they definitely did survive in advance. And then what made me a little more nervous about that game Gordon, is I happen to peruse, you know, which is really what you shouldn't do, but I can do that because I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're perusing the brackets and you see that, um, you know, you're in the same bracket as a team in Jersey City. Yeah. That is rolling right now. And so you're like, boy, 
that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if they're still going to be around by the time you get to them, but if they are, that's, I mean, I think you'd, you'd be okay with that, right? You, yeah, you take like your shot, shot against yeah, that. Take a shot. Listen, as long as you're still in it, as long as you're in it, that's what counts. That's what counts. And I was hoping, I mean, Duke, Michigan State tried, Gordon. They tried. They, they really tried to eliminate Duke for me. They did, they did their best. They did. But you want to do that yourself. And I thought there was a stretch there with about five minutes to go. Duke was down five, and they looked completely out of gas. I thought mm-hmm. they were absolutely done. And from that point on, they, you know, they brought it up on the broadcast. There has to be a tremendous amount of pressure on those players. Oh, absolutely. That this is Coach K's last game. This could be his last game. This could be it. You can't go out before the Sweet 16 for sure. And every round – Oh, well, we can't go out before the Elite Eight. We can't go out before the Final Four. So there has to be tremendous pressure on those those players. And they stepped up, boy. They, uh, you know, the old thing about uh, pressure bur- burst pipes or makes mm-hmm. diamonds. They were yeah. definitely diamonds yesterday. And what adds to their pressure, Gordon, was the fact that they lost his last game. Oh, absolutely. And at, at the, you know, the house that, 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 that Krzyzewski built. Right. You know, so that adds to it because, you know, see, there's I think there's a little not that there's no pressure, but it's a little less pressure. Now it's like, gosh, we can't lose this. one. We already let him down by losing in this last game at home. We got to We got to get there. We got to get there. So give them credit. Give the young players credit. Gordon, this has been a very entertaining tournament so far. It really has. Yeah, I, I think it's been the right amount of upsets and the right amount mm-hmm. of chalk. You know, you don't want I, I know that the upsets get all the attention, but you don't really want all upsets because then when you get into the later rounds, you want some of those, you want some of those, those, those top teams there, right? I mean, it's nice mounted to have a couple of upsets and St. Peter's has been clearly the story of the tournament so far, not just winning Mm -hmm. the first game, but then getting another win, right? Like a lot Mm -hmm. of times you see these teams, 15, 14, 13 seeds, they win the one game and then the next time out, they're completely outclassed. That has not been them so far. So if you can take down the number two team in the region, it would, it would, and now the number one team in the region is gone. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you can't beat anybody in the region. Absolutely. So St. Peter's will face uh, Purdue in their next matchup, and that's in Philly. And I can imagine there's going to be busloads leaving Jersey City, heading down there to support Shaheen Holloway and those kids at St. Peter's who've done. Listen, Gordon, they, they are, I said this yesterday. In theory, they are Cinderella, in theory. Because of the, you know, obviously where they were seated. But really, when you watch them play, this is not a team with one person. And, and if he goes, they all gather, you know, follow him and surround him and, and add to, you know, what he can do. This is a team that's tough. This is a team that's a little physical, Gordon. This is a team that, that doesn't, uh, you know, they don't flinch. They don't step back. And they, you know, you hear the, you hear the story all the time about, the team takes the identity of their coach. This team definitely takes the identity of their coach because this is how Sahin Holloway played when he was at Seton Hall. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of – you know, we talked last week about how meaningless NFL contracts are, that they're not worth the paper they're printed on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same way with college basketball coaches. You know, for as great of a run as St. Peter's is having – they now know that Shaheen, this is it, right? Like, this is their run with Shaheen Holloway. He's yeah. gone after this season. He's going yep. to Seton Hall. So, yeah. um, it, sometimes it's the worst thing to happen to the program it's that true. they get one of these miracle wins. Who knows? Maybe if they lose in the opening round of Kentucky, Shaheen Holloway is still there. And he, maybe not. Maybe he would have gone to Seton Hall anyway. But 
it just seems like a lot of times that these coaches and these miracle wins and these these incredible runs Cinderella's go on it's almost the the, the program has to start over as soon as that run is over yeah and that's and that's the interesting spot here also we were talking about it last night that's the interesting spot for Holloway um Gordon because what do you do do you go for the big money do you go well not big money but it's more than what you're making at St. Peter's Okay, do you go for that? All right, is that what you do? Do you, do you take that moment? Or do you like, because this team is so representative of you, do you try to like hang in there, right, and hang with these guys? Because there's not a – I don't see a bunch of one-and-done guys at St. Peter's here, Gordon. This is not, no. you know, what they are. So, you know, from a coaching standpoint, when you start to fall in love with a group of guys or gals, whoever the team you're coaching, and you have that opportunity, it, it – you know – it's a tough choice sometimes to leave them right at, right at the start because you're building something here. It, uh, it, well, you would think it would be difficult, right? I mean, because it's not just – they're not just players. They're not just chess pieces. They're people. And, and, and the amount of time you're around them and, and nurture them and, and live their, in their lives, you know, they're part of your life. So I would think it's a difficult thing, and I would think it would be more difficult if it was some school that came knocking on his door that he didn't have a relationship with already. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that he's, you know, he, he was at Seton Hall, I think that that's probably going to be uh, a, a done deal. But we shall see. Stranger things have happened, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be really interested to see what happens there. Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, we already have one coach leaving that has gone to uh, uh, Maryland. And, uh, right, Kevin, Kevin Willard. Willard. Yeah, and Kevin Willard. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. It definitely seemed like, you know, that makes a whole lot more sense when you see the performance that Seton Hall put up in that one game. Boy, they were – that was a complete mail-in, and, and you wonder if, if the team knew that that was yeah. what's going on and there was a distraction there that they just never overcame. And does what does that possibly do to St. Peter's? Does that affect them now with all this conversation, you know, about, hey, you know what, he could be leaving or he could be going out, you know, does, how does that affect them going forward? Well, it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's done a far better job with St. Peter's than St. <laughs> uh, than uh, Seton Hall did with uh, Kevin Wheeler. That's for sure. There's no question about it. I'm not sure. Wearing tear of the season, you know, from game to game or whatever it is. So I'm not really sure. Like like you said, usually we're high energy, a uh, high energy team, but uh, for some reason we weren't today. Julius Randall, after last night's Nick loss at the Garden, 108 to 93 to the Utah Jazz. Who, have, who uh, got back on the winning track, or got, actually who lost tonight against uh, Brooklyn as Kevin Durant went wild. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN, Hardesty and Damer. And Gordon, I heard uh, Barton Hahn today. Mm-hmm. And Allen said it is clear that, if, that Julius Randle needs to go to the front office and say he wants to leave New York. Yesterday after the loss, everybody was going through the tunnel you know, slapping hands with the fans, their hands up, slapping with the fans. He went with his hands down. Uh, made the comment after the game of the situation with him and Rudy Gobert saying it wasn't nothing between him and Gobert. It was simply he was upset at, a, at an official's call during the game when we clearly saw that Gobert got him. He got Gobert back, and, you know, he had an issue, and they had to be separated at the end. His level of frustration, A, because of, his problems in his game, his inconsistencies, the way this team has underachieved is really, really starting to affect him more and more, Gordon. And last night, 
He was 6 of 21, 13 points, 11 rebounds, a couple of turnovers. But listen, in 35 minutes from your leading guy, you needed more than 13 points. And he just has, he's been so inconsistent this year. And he's just, he has not been able to control his emotions whatsoever, Gordon. And I'm telling you, he's making it harder and harder, A, for the team to figure out whether we should keep him or what are we going to do? Yeah, I wonder if there's something going on that nobody's reported or something. You know what I mean? Like something's going on maybe personally. I I don't know. But just in terms of his performance overall, 2020 was the outlier. He had an outlier season. This year has been much closer to who he is as a player. And and I don't know that if he he has um, changed his opinion of himself, that he is a better player after last year. I don't know what it is. But it almost seems like um, he has a, a loftier opinion of himself and feels like he's uh, like all these like skirmishes are beneath him and he's quick to anger right away. It's very, very odd. But in terms of his overall production, we probably shouldn't be all that surprised because his overall production this year has gotten pretty much closer to where he is as a player. So after this Knicks season is over, they have to. They, it's almost like the, the real work has not been done yet. Like, R.J. Barrett's here. We know that. He is a, a, a piece to, to build around. But everything other than that, it, it's like completely up in the air. And I didn't think that that was possible after last season, that there would be no carryover. There's been no carryover. There's been no carryover at all. And I agree with you to a point, Gordon, that that appears to be the outlier. I mean, it, it looks that way. I mean, yeah. That, that's clear. But I just thought that – because of when athletes make changes and you see the results of that change that are successful, logically you would think they would continue along that path. Hey, if I did this hard work, look at the results. Let me go back and step it up a notch because now look what I've done. I can be even better than that. Okay. I can be even better if I put in the hard work, if I do just a little bit more than what I did last year. I can put this team on my back and we can really in, we can really achieve something. And so that's what, for me, that's what I was looking for from him this year. I expected not necessarily that he would be, he would have to dominate the load as much as he did last year because theoretically he was supposed to have more help. All right. But, but for him to take a step back personally is really kind of, it's kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, do you think it might be the fact that he got paid in the offseason? I mean, that that could be part of it. I just kind of attributed to it. Like Last year, it did seem like the narrative was that Randall changed who he was. He got in the gym. He was in better shape. We heard Tom Thibodeau say that a thousand times, that he was changing who he was as a player, and that's the that was the reason for the success. I think as we, if if he did not have some sort of drop off in his training or anything like that, I think last year was just he took a, a, a he lived on hitting difficult shots and making difficult shots, and for for whatever reason they went in last year, uh, luck, good fortune, whatever you want to say. This year he's taking a lot of the same shots. And they're just not going in because they're difficult shots. So I just think that this is, I mean, remember year one, how frustrated we were with Julius Randle on a night in, night out basis. People, people would call up 
and we, I think we could take a line of people who are willing to drive him to the airport to get him out of town. And then last year, everything turned around. And then this year, <laughs> everything, everything turned around again. So who knows? Maybe if he's still here next year, maybe it'll be another bounce-back season. But I don't think that the Knicks can rely on that. And then the next thing becomes, Gordon, what can you get for him? I mean, he's clearly not at the, he's clearly selling low, all right? Yep. Based on based on what he's his performance has been this year. And you're right, maybe it is something we don't know that's going on because it's just it's just so totally different from what we saw from him last year. It's 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 a 360 degree change. Yeah, and the, and the and the um the temper. I don't think we saw that in year 1. Mm-mm. Uh we did not see that in year 1. But, yeah, that has been a consistent thing all season long. Ticked off at this, ticked off at the fans. It seems like ticked off at the organization. So I I don't know if he doesn't feel like he's supported enough within the organization. It seems like Tom Thibodeau has his back at every single solitary turn because there's been countless examples of him doing things and there not being any repercussions, whereas if anyone else on the team did those type of things, there would absolutely be repercussions. So... It'll kind of depend on what you can get for him. But I, I don't look at any piece on this Knicks team outside of maybe R.J. Barrett as being something that I am definitely not giving up under any set of circumstances. And Julius Randle is certainly not an immovable piece of my mind. Oh, there's no question. There, there's, yeah. there, there's, there's a lot to choose from <laughs> on this team to get rid of folks. There's no question about it. And once again, Gordon, for me, for me, Julius Randle did not have to play 35 minutes last night. Uh, R.J. Barrett did not have to play 43 minutes last night. I, Gordon, I what, what what is going on here? Let me see some of these other guys. It can doesn't I, make can, any sense. It, it, there's not, you know, look, I, I understand in theory, in theory, we're right there. We're right You're there. You're not, though. Playing. I, you know, They're I not. That in their They're mental, nowhere close. Mental. I know. I know. But here's their thought. But that's obviously their thought process. Because why else would you play R.J. Barrett 43 minutes? I have no idea. They're, I said it on Saturday, Larry. I, they are wasting my time, and they're wasting their own time. Yep. The, 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 this does nothing for anybody. Playing <laughs> Julius Randle 30, whatever it was, 38, 35. 37, 35 minutes. I mean, what yeah. is that? What is that? Who does that help? And I'm not saying that playing Obi 20 minutes is necessarily there's going to be some payoff, but at least there's a chance. Mm-hmm. You got to be in it to win it, as they say for the lottery. Like, let's yep. throw him out there and let's find out. Yeah. And, yep. and if it turns out that the answer is no, well, then you'll have a definitive answer. But the Knicks are approaching it as if they already know the answer is no, and they're not going to try to find out. So I, I don't see what you have to lose at this point. The season's over. The season's been over for a long time. And, and here's the thing. Let's say that they were two games out of the final spot. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. That one might make sense. They would get into the play-in and get destroyed. They're not yep. as good as the teams in the play-in. That's right. They aren't. And, and it's not close. It's not close. <laughs> they, and it's not Again, close. they were the four seed last year and got completely exposed. And that was when they were playing well. They haven't mm-hmm. played well this season in months. Yep. You're right. I mean, and when did they? When were they last at five hundred? It was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, opening night. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. Yeah, maybe maybe that was it. And here's the other thing: for those of us who are looking at Mitchell Robinson and saying, you know what, they have a decision to make. Maybe they go. here's the problem I have with him, and we saw it last night. 
Gordon, he has had some very impressive performances over the past couple weeks. I give him credit. Double digits in points, double digits in rebounding, a, a, a beast off the offensive glass. A beast. But last night against Rudy Gobert, he gives me four points and three rebounds in 26 minutes. I got to look at that, Gordon. That, that, that has to weigh in. I yeah. know he's not facing Rudy Gobert every night, but this is one of the class, these this is one of the class big men in the game. If I'm going, if you're going to make your money, you have to step up and show me something against the the, the, the elite players in the league. And I'm not I'm not poo-pooing what he's done against the other teams. I'm not. But I'm saying, okay, along with that, show me that same intensity. Give give him a battle. You I don't I'm not you, I don't. You don't have to prove that you're better than he is, but Gordon, can I get can I get the same close to double digits at least rebounds? Okay, you don't score, all right. Can I get can I get the rebounding? I didn't even get that last night, and so no, not a lot of production there. That's my concern about him. So, in a lot of ways, I know he's a free agent. I know that he's going to, with the right maybe of the coaching, and you know, aside from the issues of him staying healthy, uh, maybe he'll go do better somewhere else, but. I gotta be honest with you, Gordon. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to look, turn my attach my wagon to Jericho Sims. Give me Jericho Sims. Give me a, a, maybe another backup center or something like that, or I get one in the draft or whatever, and I'm ready to move on from that standpoint right now. Yeah, look, I think that they'll probably try to find some sort of middle ground where they'll pay him and keep him, but make it some sort of deal where it's flexible that when the time comes, they can also move him. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't think he's going to cash in like maybe some teams if he hit free agency, but I, I just looked it up. The last time the Knicks were over 500 was November 30th. <laughs> they were 11 and 10. Their longest winning streak of the season, I believe is three in a row. Wow. Three wins in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's scary. It, it's the season has been over for a very long time. And you know me, Larry, uh, we were optimistic we were. When, when people were calling up saying it's over. They're not going anywhere. He said, you know what? Let's give it some more time. Let's, you know, they, they look at what they did last year. We gave them every excuse in the world. And at the end of the day, they're just not that good a team. This is, this is far closer to the team that they are than last year's team. And to prove it, the front office knows it. That's why they didn't try to do anything fantastic at the trade deadline. Right. They're not a piece of way. Because they knew. Yeah. We got to go back to the drawing board. What we tried didn't work. And they understood that. And I I credit them for at least pivoting midstream. I do. In the end, the Minnesota Twins, who had freed up some money by trading Josh Donaldson to the Yankees, turned around and used it to fill their shortstop hole with Carlos Correa. Finishing fifth in the AL MVP race last season is a World Series champion. And the question at this point is just how long is he going to be in Minnesota because he does have opt-outs after those first two seasons of the three-year contract. It's an all-over ESPN radio. Hardesty and Damer till midnight on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I feel like Jeff was rubbing it in Yankee fans' faces there, you know? Like, he's yeah, a I World know. Series champion. He's a, uh, Yes, we're aware, Jeff. Thank you. So, Gordon, I wanted to give you the floor to express your frustration even further because after this happened, then I heard 
well, they got to get Story. They got to get Trevor Story. Go bring Trevor no. Story here. And then not only don't they get him, he goes somewhere where I'm sure they are not happy that he went. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's just another log on the fire that is the Yankee offseason, which has been incredibly disappointing. We thought that after the way last season ended, that there would be some sort of response. And I got to be honest with you, the, the moves have been either puzzling or just outright disappointing. Uh, the, I mean, the Yankees are going to lead the American League in question marks heading into the season. And that's great that every team has a question mark or two. The Yankees seem to have them everywhere. Uh, they seem to have them at just about every single position. So, uh, and, and the moves that have been made, they decided to, I mean, improve offensively at third base, but in the process, bring in a 36-year-old third baseman who has had some, some, some health issues. They now have non-run producers at both shortstop and catcher. Uh, you have to hope that Glaber Torres gets back to Glaber Torres of, of three years ago now. Uh, and it's just it's very disappointing. And look, I, I was not a big fan of, of going out and signing Trevor Story. I didn't see what the terms were, but I, I heard it was a long-term deal for him with Boston. I look at his splits away from Coors Field and at Coors Field. He's a completely different player. But to me, Brian Cashman generally has not always made the, the popular move, but he has generally gone about it and, and tried to approach things and, and making smart moves. And I don't see how anybody can look at the deal that Carlos Correa got with the Minnesota Twins and think that the Yankees wouldn't have been better off with Carlos Correa as their shortstop rather than making the deal with the Twins to bring in a 36-year-old third baseman and, and a guy at shortstop who doesn't really, you know, he's not a run producer. He's an okay glove. He's, he's a better glove at third base, at least according to the metrics, than he is at shortstop. Uh, that, that's the kind of deal. You know, that, that deal getting the Yankees to take the money off your hands in the Twins, that's the kind of deal the Yankees used to make. Mm-hmm. And to see another team, I, I, I like it better when I'm reaping far more than I'm sowing. You know, I don't, I don't like it when it's on me. I like it when it's the other way around. So I thought it was a home run of a deal for the Minnesota Twins. I'm sure he's only going to be in Minnesota one year, uh, assuming he stays healthy. And even if he doesn't stay healthy, I think he'll probably still opt out. But, uh, yeah, very disappointing that – the Yankees are not able to do that. And listening to Michael Kay, it wasn't like they lost out. It wasn't like they got a better deal. It was that the Yankees didn't have really any interest. Well, let's hear from Michael. He said it earlier today on the Michael Kay show, Monday through Friday, 3-7. to seven. He called the Yankee game, and then he joined LaGreca and Rosenberg and said the Yankees never really wanted a top shortstop. I'm going to tell you this, everybody, and I don't think this is what people want to hear. The Yankees didn't get beaten out on any of these guys. They didn't want them. No team could say, we are not interested in that player. It's against the basic agreement because if the Yankees say, we're out, we don't want Correa, that affects Correa's market. So the Yankees have to sit back when they are rumored to be in on this guy, and they can't say, no, we're not. I don't think they were in on any of them. No. They love the shortstops they have in their system, and they feel that kind of Falefa is going to be just fine at shortstop, really good defensively. He'll pick up Base hits, he can run, he's got stolen bases, whatever the case may be. I don't think that they were oh. in on Correa, they weren't in on Story, they were never in on Seeger, none of them. They were never in on any of them. So if you want to be mad that they weren't, that's cool. That's but I it. would ask you guys this. Don't think that they got beaten out on these guys. They didn't want them. Okay. <laughs> I would prefer they got beaten out. <laughs> I would prefer they got beaten out. You didn't have any interest in a 27-year-old defensive wizard at shortstop who is a postseason performer. It, uh, I would much rather have it the other way, Larry. 
I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. But <laughs> but let's look at it this way. Not only did you not have interest in him, you didn't bring anybody else here who could no. do anything for you. So that makes it worse. See, if you had made another move, other than, right. and listen, Donaldson, you know, we'll see what happens. We know he's a veteran guy. He gives you numbers, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's not a splash hit here. And normally, that's what we expect from the Yankees. So for you to not give me a splash hit and also not bring me a top shortstop, I mean, I got to look at this and I'm like, you know, what the heck is going on here? Are we under financial constraints again? Is this a scenario where you're saying, look, look how much money we've spent. I'm not spending another dime. These guys have got to produce. And what does that mean? That means Stanton's got to be better than he was last year. Judge has got to be better than he was last year. You mentioned Glaber's got to be better than he was last year. Can Hicks stay in the lineup and give you something better than he has since the last time he was in the lineup? If you're banking on these guys who have not been able to stay healthy and produce together since they've been on the team together, that's a big ask, Gordon. It's a big ask. Yeah, and and the reason why they were not interested was clearly because it went – see, the the Correa one, it doesn't even make sense from a financial aspect because if you had not made the Donaldson move, you could have just taken that money pretty much and just signed Correa. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I know that there'll be the aspect of, well, you know, Correa was the face of the Astros and uh, he's the cheating scandal and Judge has been very, very vocal about everything that went on and you're looking to sign him to a contract. Well, a couple of things. We, we see players put grievances aside. All the, We see it with the Yankees. Josh Donaldson and Garrett Cole don't really like each other. Mm-hmm. But yet they've, they've, they're on the record as saying, well, we'll put it aside and, and, and do what's best for the team. We've seen that a thousand times. And the idea that fans wouldn't, uh, wouldn't accept Carlos Correa or anything like that, when was the last time Brian Cashman made any moves with the Yankee fan base in mind? And I'm not saying that he should, but mm-hmm. that's not – I mean, we've, we've been crying out for them to be more left-handed. We've been crying out for a second star, you know, like a number two ace and, and all these type of – move after move after move. And I'm not saying that you should ever listen to the fans if you're the GM – but I don't want to hear that that's the reason why they didn't go after him either. It's clearly that they, Brian Cashman has put together a team with a payroll that is so high that they don't have any wiggle room because he's done a poor job putting together the team. Joe Sherman has a new article that he's just put up on the uh, New York Post website about them possibly signing Judge to an extension. And um, he prefaces it, prefers it, prefaces it by saying, you know, he didn't want, they weren't interested in um, Corey or Freddie Freeman for several reasons, never warmed to that idea, concerned about four huge multi-year contracts on the books that would take players well into their 30s. It looks like other than Cole and Stanton, it's going to be Aaron Judge. Now, the question's going to be, how much is it? Um, one-year deal? Uh, MLB trade rumors peg judge at $17.1 million for this year. And obviously, once again, this is part of Joel Sherman's story. And he says you can expect his reps to ask substantially more than that, you know, more than $17.1 million for a year. So are you uh, – my interpretation, okay, and I don't know if it's going to be done tomorrow or whether it's going to be done before the season opener, April 7th, I don't know. But – 
are we saying that that's the reason why we're not trying to go out and sign other folks because we're trying to save this money for Aaron Judge to figure out what we're going to do with him? I mean, Gordon, uh, aren't we going to wait and see if he has the type of year that he had last year from an availability standpoint before we make that move? Apparently not. <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer is nope. Uh, if, if this is to believe, you know, I, I, look, it's a negotiation, so I'm sure that the Yankees could come up with a number in their mind that doesn't match what Judge's number is in his mind. But it seems like the Yankees' intent is if they can get him signed to a contract before this season, and that's the, the timeline that Judge has put on it, he doesn't want to hear about it after opening day, it seems like the Yankees have made up their mind that this is a guy that they want to sign long term. And I'll be honest with you, I don't really care what the, the per year is. It's more about, I think, the years. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so years. we'll see what the, the – yeah, but, I mean, he's going to be looking for – I'm sure he's going to be looking in the 30, $35 million a year range. So the uh, – what is that? DJ what, – what, DJ had a six-year $90 million? That's not going to do it, huh? No, I, I would not think. I mean, he's the uh, he's the face of the Yankees, Aaron Judge. I mean, he's he's the de facto captain of the team, pretty much. Yeah. So I would think if you're talking about a, a guy who is a homegrown guy who's now hitting, you, you want to. I, I don't understand what the the appeal is to sign him this year rather than next year. You're the Yankees. You can sign. You have more than enough money to sign him whenever you want. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but. It's not uh, that that list of of moves that the Yankees make that I don't agree with. Uh, it's growing longer by the day, Larry. Yeah, I know, I know. This is going to be a really interesting season. I mean, this is going to be really, really interesting season because they need a bunch of folks to have career years for them to be successful. And and, 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 and look, I'll be honest with you, Judge is like the last guy on the list. As long oh, as he stays healthy, he's fine. Yeah, he's going to do. But he's going to staying healthy is a major major question. It is and. It's the other guys that you need to produce because now, Gordon, you're, you're, you've got holes at the bottom of your lineup. Yep. From an yeah. offensive standpoint. Yeah. If you had, have you had a lineup where the top seven were just knocking the ball out of the, you know, you just, you nailed all the top seven guys. They're all, you know, that they're all going to be major producers. Well, look, you could live with two spots that are just defensive stalwarts. Yep. But I don't know that you can say that the Yankees have seven spots where you're just like, oh, this guy, he's just going to crush it this year. No. No, you don't. You don't. I don't know what you have <laughs> four <laughs> that you can yeah, I don't honestly know. say they're right. going to crush it. Right. I mean, where's the level of confidence? All right, Judge, obviously, is very high. Stanton's very high. As long as those mm-hmm. guys are healthy, they're good to go. DJ come back, you think? Does he have a better year than he had last year? Well, Supposed I mean, he doesn't, really, he doesn't really have a position. Yeah. But I would like to think that he's he he's probably the one that you can kind of have a range of of, of expectation. Mm-hmm. What about Joey Gallo? What can you expect out of Joey Gallo? Because I got to be honest with you, the first little appetizer we got out of Joey Gallo uh, it made me vomit. Uh, it, it made me it made me not want to go back to the restaurant. It's not good. No, I, and just to remind strikeouts. people, in his time with the Yankees, Joey Gallo hit one six in fifty-eight games. So not a small, not that small a sample size. Almost a third of the season, hit one sixty with an on-base of three hundred and a slugging of four hundred. Not what you want. No, and he struck out eighty-eight times in a hundred and eighty-eight at bats. And we're talking multiple games with multiple strikeouts per oh, game. Oh, yeah. Look, that's part of the deal. You know that going in. You're hoping yeah, that the walks are going to be there and the home runs are going to be there. 
Yeah, but you gotta make contact sometimes. Yeah, you you would you would think that generally. I, mean, I, I find it makes it easier contact. to hit a home run when you make contact. But yeah, um, you're not you're not doing what you, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, come on. You, yeah, you gotta be better. Yankee baseball be better. can't wait, Larry. Opening day. It's coming. It's coming. Get the Twitter handles going at Hardesty ESPN at Gordon Damer. You can also weigh in on that ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM. After the first week, which was simply amazing, Gordon Damer, we move on to round number two. Yes, Larry. It is March movie mayhem, the greatest sports heroes, the greatest sports villains, and it is round number two. It is region one. We are back to region one, and the number one seed there is Roy Hobbs. Roy Hobbs had a little bit of an issue Dealing with Air Bud in the opening round. I'm not gonna, he's almost like Gonzaga. He, he, he advances, survive and advance. But anytime you're having a trouble with a, a golden retriever or a yellow lap, whatever Air Bud, Bud was, that's not great. Nope. So we have the number one seed once again is... Nothing like being around animals. Fix the thing. There's nothing like being in the field by yourself with the vegetables and the corn and the winter wheat. Green stuff you ever saw. You know, my mother told me I ought to be a farmer. My dad wanted me to be a baseball player. Well, you're better than anyone I ever had. I believe in that movie, Wilfred Brimley was like a year older than than Robert Redford. I have mm-hmm. to check. I'll check during the break. But they were roughly the same age. Sure they looked the same. Yeah, no, they didn't. That's for sure. Uh, but, yes, Roy Hobbs, the number one seed in region number one. He will now be going up after disposing of Air Bud. He will now be disposing, or at least trying to dispose of, the number nine seed, who is? Man, you build yourself a life just to prove you could handle the shovel. You know why I'd still hit that shot? Yeah. Because it's the only way you could beat Dave Sims. No. Because you get that look in your face. I'd hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment, or the moment defines you. Dave Sims, the fine broadcaster of the Seattle. Oh, no, it was a different Dave Sims that he's talking about here. (laughs) That's the first one I thought of. (laughs) I said the same thing here. Uh, So there you go. Your first matchup there is Roy Hobbs facing off against Roy McIlroy, a pair of Roys going up Mm. against each other. This is the one that I'm interested to see, Larry. Mm Mm-hmm. The number two seed in region number one. He did a very nice job in the opening round. Again, wasn't the most dominating in the world, but we'll see what he has. If there's a prediction for pain here, the number two seed, Larry, is... Do you care to comment on how you plan to fight Balboa? What's your strategy? Don't need any. Balboa is so predictable and stupid. The man comes straight ahead. He's tailor-made for me, and he's going to get hurt. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. And I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. All right, so Clubber Lang, he, 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 he he's insulting uh, Rocky Balboa's intelligence. Well, his opponent, you know, not exactly a member of Mensa. The number seven seed in round number two in Region Two is my mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I think I know what I'm going to get here. Uh, this would not be a good matchup in real life, but here well, you go. It's, power. 
Yeah, it's the number, <laughs> <laughs> number two. Run, Forrest, run! <laughs> yeah, you better get the bed. Look off your face before I knock it off. Yes, Forrest, be careful of that man. He's very angry. Clubber Lang going up against the number seven seed, Forrest Gump. Moving on. We have the number three seed here, right? Yes, the number three seed. I have them in the wrong order. Darn it. I always hate when I do that. Moving on, the number three seed, Larry. Oh, this is this is what dreams are made of here. This, this is kind of matchup. Yes, and, indeed. And, and we alluded to it uh, as the possibility of happening, and it did happen. Here we go. The number three seed in region number one is... You want to hear the truth? No, you don't want to hear the truth. All you want to hear is how great it is out here. Well, it may be great for you, but it sucks for me. I hate this place. I hate it. I just want to go home. Why don't we just go back home? Listen to me. Watch. I cannot help you unless you tell me what's wrong. I gotta take karate, that's it. You took karate? No, not, not, not at the Y, at a good school. Fighting doesn't solve anything. Oh, well, neither does palm trees, ma. <laughs> oh, Daniel LaRussa. Mm. I, I don't know. Is, now? He, is he the. What's that? <laughs> is that how he sounds now? <laughs> no, I think, I think that um, he's gone through some changes. Uh, just a few. Yes. <laughs> So uh, he is the number three seed, and this is awkward. I don't know other, any other way to put it. It is. But he will have to face. They didn't even how they didn't come up with this in one of these movies. I'm surprised. But his opponent is the number six seed. He is. You remember lesson about the balance? Yeah. A lesson not just karate only. Lesson for whole life. Whole life have a balance. Everything be better. Understand? <laughs> All right, so there you go. It is Mr. Miyagi. He's not going to be using any of that laying of the hands this time around. He's going to be doing it to himself as he faces off against Daniel LaRusso. That's our third matchup. We got four. Our mm -hmm. final one, and this has been all chalk so far in this region. The number mm -hmm. four seed, Larry, is... You're playing, and you think everything is going fine, but then one thing goes wrong, and then another, and another. And you try to fight back, but the harder you fight, the deeper you sink, until you can't move, can't breathe. Because you're in over your head. Shane like Falco. Oh, I'm sorry, Shane. I interrupted Shane. He almost Keanu Reeves almost got to an emotion there, Larry. Almost. He, almost. he almost did. He's the number four seed. The number five and my personal favorite in this region is... That's the RC. I cannot hit curveball. Straight ball, I hit it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. I asked Joe Boo to come. Take fear, that's. I offer him cigar. Wrong. He will come. Yes. Joe Boo already eliminated, but Pedro Serrano's still around. Mm -hmm. And that's your final matchup, Larry. Shane Falco, Pedro Serrano. Voting is now open. At Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer. Register your votes now in the March movie Mayhem. Oh, some interesting matchups. Daniel LaRusso, wax on, wax off. He might be waxed off. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, very shortly. I think there's a very good possibility of that, Larry. Oh, 
But it's an interesting matchup. We'll see what you have to say. Keep voting. We come back. We'll take your calls next, and we'll talk a little football. Gordon, another NFC quarterback is on the move to the AFC? What, are we giving money away in the AFC? Blue is in the Bronx. We'll be next on 98.7 ESPN. New York, we're here, baby. <laughs> Not for long. There he goes. Hit it, hit it, hit it, Gordon. Hit it, Gordon. Verified Nick Hader. That's it. That's it. There we go. Oh, God. You should have was Daniel LaRusso talking or was that uh, Julius Rather talking to his wife? Oh. Verified <laughs> Nick's Hader. That's Buddha. That's Buddha. I'm just teasing, man. Stop it, man. Yeah. We yeah, know. He, enjoy, he enjoys it too much, you know? Like, he can't even stop himself. Did you see James Harden last night? Uh, I did, but I, I wasn't going to bring it up. I got to have something laughing. Huh? Yes. <laughs> well, did you laugh at him last night? Uh, laugh is not the word, man. You know, I'm already sick of him every single day. Right. No, please. You know, I told y'all about that dude. I told y'all about that. You did. Anyway, I, don't did. even get me. No, 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 no. Let's stay, let's stay off course. <laughs> you, know, you know, you watch all them quarterbacks moving around, man. You know, you, you want to say to Jimmy G, like, listen, you need to mend them fences with Tom Brady. And Guerrero and get some of that PED lace avocado ice cream. He got that <laughs> Anthony Davis body. I mean, if he wouldn't be hurt, he would have been. Listen, he would have got on a, a good team too. It, it, it's crazy, man. You know the AFC, like you said. I mean, they, you know, you know, go and listen. Lag was talking to Richie Meany yesterday. I called him afterwards, but you know, I'm listening to Richie Meany talking to Lag, and he's telling him he's like, look, it's the second year Wilson. You know, he looked horrible. He's got to get better. And I'm telling Lag yesterday, I'm like. That sounded like that same year report that he had preseason with Sam Donald. <laughs> I mean, you you can't you know you can't make this up, man. You know what I'm saying? At least Sam Donald was seven and nine in his second year. Mm, which yeah, one that, of you that, guys want to? Which one of you guys want to bet that the Jets win seven games next year? <laughs> not me. What you want to bet on that? Not me. I got to take a look oh, at their God. schedule, but yeah. This... Listen, Gordon. Here's all you need to know. They've got. They're facing seven of the top quarterbacks, including Russell Wilson. They got Josh Allen twice. Uh, they, you know, they've got. They, they it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. They, they've got not a, at all. They got a long road all. now. No matter what you they know, do as free agency or who they draft, they may be better and still have a worse and still have a bad record. You know, also Gordon Unk said, um, you know, he wouldn't necessarily just hand Wilson the job. I mean, obviously, that is what they're doing. I mean, but, you know, then they started talking about how Joe Flacco was coming back, and they really like him. I mean, couldn't they have tried, like, a Mariota or a Bridgewater? I mean, do we really need another year of Joe Flacco? I, don't, I just don't understand. Like, 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 what the, like, do they really like their fan base? I mean, like, what is it that they're trying to do there, man? I mean, it is unbelievable, man. Like, you know, God bless uh, Salah. I mean, I, I, I hope – that they come up with some monumental change on defense. Uh, we don't need any more coaches getting DUIs and any of this other nonsense that's going on. I, I would have fired Albrecht straight up and down. I would have made him the sacrificial lamb. I, I don't know what – you know, listen, there's a point where you're a nice guy and it helps and it changes the culture, but if the culture doesn't change in terms of wins and losses in the field, you know, nice guys finish last, man. You know, I, I really hope that, that, that you know that, that you know he goes at least go down fighting like the like the coaches you used to see on the sidelines on the Forty Nineers. 
he's like he's nothing like that, man. It's like they sucked the life out of his body already here. You know, <laughs> you know la- lastly, man, with the March Madness real quick, though, you know, um, listen, I think that one of, uh, of the Arizona-Houston is pretty much, like, to me, it looks like the best team that's going to win this whole thing. I might be wrong. You know, that Duke-Texas-Texas Texas Tech is a pick em. Mm-hmm. You know, but like like with Gonzaga, man, like you know they 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 got a lot of size, but they always come up short, man. I mean, I think they'll be Arkansas, but I, I don't see them. I don't even know if they get to the final four, but I don't, I don't see them winning the whole thing. And you got to feel good for Holloway and St. Peter's. You really do, man. Because like you said yesterday, Unc, I mean, and I'm listening to your Yankee assessment, Gordon. I mean, you ain't wrong. Yeah, when are we gonna win something around here? Win? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be all that pressing of a concern, Buddha. Like these are not the moves of somebody who's like, man, we got, we gotta win. We we got to win this year. We got to finally get over the top. This is not over the top kind of moves. Yeah, I, I love how Steinbrenner. I mean, I don't even love him. Let me stop lying. But um, you know, the whole thing is a lot of times when you want to pass something down to your children, man. I've told you this a thousand times, man. That means from the bottom of my heart. You a lot of times you need that daughter. You know, the Suns, man, like, they got their own plan that they want to run. You saw what happened out there with the Lakers. You know, the the, the Sun was, listen, daughter had to come in and take it over. Like, somebody's got to come in there level-headed. I mean, oh, my God. It's, 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 the, the Yankees, listen, the Mets have passed them. The Mets have passed them. You, you watch and see. You watch and see. This, this is a disaster. Yeah, I don't care if you didn't want to spend that kind of money or whatever it is, these shortstops that they're going to have – Listen, how long have you been listening to that nonsense? When was the last time somebody developed out the farm system for the Yankees? When? Mm. When? Judge. That would be it. Yeah. Man. All right. Thanks for the yeah. phone call, my friend. Thanks. Take care, guys. You know, and, and that's that's the frustrating thing. If you're a Yankee fan right now, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at where I'm not getting homegrown talent. I'm not getting free agent talent. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I need more. And you know, right now Steinbrenner is just like, hey, let me see. I've invested money here. Let's see what's going on. And that's what's happened. It's and, very it feel, clear. and it feels like with Brian Cashman, there's a lot of like, we know better, right? Like you, it, there's a sense of like, we, we know what we're doing. We've been through this before. We like who we got. We're going to put together a team. Just you wait and see. The problem is, is that a lot of the complaints about the Yankees over the last, you know, since 2017, 2018 have proven to be right. So it's kind of hard to kind of to trust that that all of a sudden this is the time. I, I will say this. If it turns out the Yankees win the American League East and go deep into the playoffs and go back to the World Series, I'll be the first person to say I was wrong. Boy, that feels like a real long shot right now, considering <laughs> the other teams in, in, in the American League. It's true. And just the recent history, right? Like yeah. the other teams have – the teams have been better. It's not like a fluky thing. The Astros have been run better. The Rays have been run better. The Red Sox have been better. Yeah. It's not really all that debatable. The moves that those teams have made have worked out for the most part. And the moves that you guys have made, either because of injury or whatever, it just hasn't worked out. And it's frustrating. It's got to be. And just to get back to Buddha's point about the, you know, Zach Wilson and the quarterbacks in the AFC, like 
I don't even take it as this year. I think the Jets are realize that this regime is going to sink or swim with Zach Wilson, and they're not going to provide any competition because they view him as their franchise quarterback come hell or high water. And, and if he's not, they won't have to deal with it because they're not going to be here. But you just take a look at now the, the AFC, even with the extra playoff spot. The, the quarterbacks that you have to that you are hoping that Zach Wilson is going to find himself in the range of Burrow and Allen and Watson and Mahomes and Herbert and Wilson. I, I mean, it's a really is a murderer's row. And, and who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to get ticked off next week and he's going to force his way somewhere in the <laughs> AFC. You're right. The drama you queen. Know. You never know. But Matt Ryan now to the Colts. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what he has left, Gordon. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he has much left. He is he has not played well in Atlanta. There's there's no question about it. But you know, listen, a, a better offensive line, he might be able to do something. Yeah, I, I mean, the Colts have really been hamstrung because uh, they're still picking up the pieces of Andrew Luck. Yep. I mean, ever since Andrew Luck bailed on them, uh, they they've done a halfway decent job. They've not fallen completely apart. And, and they're in the right division, right, because the Jaguars are still there. The Texans are clearly rebuilding. Titans might be, you know, they're generally pretty good. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to find a playoff spot here anytime soon, it feels like, with, with some of the quarterbacks that you have now in this division or oh, yeah. in this conference. That's right. And we still got a shot. You know, where is uh, Baker Mayfield going to go? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that he's probably going to the NFC. If he's smart, he goes to the NFC. But you know, like, Where? who's the team that's looking for a quarterback now out in Seattle? Maybe. That, I mean, that conference is pretty difficult. It is. Uh, famous Jameis Winston is back in with the Saints, right? So you know, I don't know. And and Jimmy G, what is Jimmy G going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what teams are still really looking for a, a quarterback. It seems like the carousel has spun pretty well here for a while, uh, and now it's kind of it's kind of stopped. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think some teams. I look at Washington with Carson Wentz. I don't really love that move, but they've made a move. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not going to be making that move. So I, I, I kind of laugh when, when Baker Mayfield, uh, the story came out a couple of days ago, Baker Mayfield has requested a trade. Has, has anybody <laughs> requested a trade for Baker Mayfield? That's the real question. Uh, no. Nope. Not I mean, at could all. Atlanta tra- a trade for him? Does that make any sense? Uh, no. I'm not, I'm not in love with it. <laughs> I got to tell you that. That doesn't exactly. Carolina? Happen. Then they can have the first and the third pick in that draft. Yeah, between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, let them battle it out. Mm-hmm. It is not. I mean, it's just it's like musical chairs, and 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 all the spots have been selected. Like, yeah. where else are you going? You know, Mariota's in it. In, well, Mariota's in Atlanta. Oh, right. That, that's right. Mariota's yep, in Atlanta. Right. right. So, so that cross that there. off. Right. Exactly. Yep. It, yep. it almost seems like he might just be forced to accept like a backup. A backup role. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like you said, unless uh, you know they want to throw some more money down there in uh, good old Carolina. Boy, I mean, has has any organization screwed up quarterback more than than they? I mean, they have made it clear that they want and 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 the story that came out over the weekend about Watson was 
the, the, their hang-up was they didn't want to guarantee years three and four fully uh, of Watson. I, boy, that's a weird place to draw the line, is it not? Yeah, it is. Like, what do I, with all the things going on? <laughs> well, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll deal with the PR hit, we'll trade away the draft pick. But years three and four, we won't fully – that's that's a bridge too far. I mean, are they really dealing with the PR hit? I mean, how many how many press releases have they put out in Cleveland? What, five or six? Yeah. I mean, already five or six, which tells you what they're what they're hearing already. It tells you what they're hearing. And I, I was listening to uh, uh, Carlin, who was on Infogreeny today. And I'm sorry, I can't think of the co-host name that was with him. Uh, but they were talking about it. And, uh, you know, they played a couple of cuts from fans from our Cleveland affiliate. And, you know, most of, most of them were pretty positive because they were they came from, and those three, they came from the attitude of, <laughs> okay, they came from the attitude of, of, of paying fans, Gordon. We're not happy with it. We got some issues with it. But you know what? At least we got a quarterback that can play. <laughs> right. I mean. And the, that's the, how they look at it. Yeah. The Browns have been looking to solve that position since they rejoined the NFL, really. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was Baker Mayfield. They thought it was a lot of people. I mean, the, yep. the list of quarterback, it's not from a, a lack of trying to find a quarterback. They just have not been able to find one. So now they, they, they got their guy. To me, the most glaring thing of this was not the, the Browns fans. Obviously, you're a fan of a team. You'll, you'll, you'll deal with whatever. Hold your things, nose. Right, you'll hold your, you hold your nose. Hold your nose and, and uh, you know, applaud for your team. I just couldn't get over, and maybe it's shame on me, that these teams were groveling mm-hmm. to the extent that they gro- – I mean, there was no line that they would not cr- – I mean, the Browns, there was no line that they would not cross. And I know it's not the first example. It's certainly not going to be the last example of it. But I don't think it's. I think it will be a while before there's a better example of it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, these teams. It was like the NFL's Bachelor. Yeah. They were they were fighting yeah. for the rose, man, and yeah. they didn't care what they had to do to get it. A lot of bad quarterbacks in the National Football League. But yet they can't find a place for Baker Mayfield. Can't find. Well, like I said, a lot of bad. <laughs> <laughs> This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.